Hi everyone, Dr. Gwen Shietta here and welcome to another episode of Life on Your Terms. I want to start today's show by asking you to consider a couple of questions. The first is, have you given yourself permission to create the life that you want? Have you given yourself permission to create the life that you want? And second, are you giving yourself the space you need to reflect and take the steps toward that life? My guest today is Heather Waring. She is a walk leader and coach who takes women on transformational walking experiences along ancient paths. Key to the transformation is the space to walk and reflect. We know that Finding space is something that many women struggle with as they are often so busy being there for everybody else in their lives, but not themselves. Heather is going to share her own amazing journey and the roadmap she has discovered for helping us find the way in our lives. Let's get started. Heather, good morning. I am so thrilled that you are able to join us on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited, Gwen, and so honored to be included in this wonderful podcast series. So yeah, great. Thank you. You're welcome. And I know you're typically, and people will pick up your accent, you're typically uh, on the other side of the pond, as we say, but uh, we're not together. We're not together today, but at least you are, you're closer, you're stateside, correct? I am indeed. Yeah, I'm based in London, although people will see from my accent or hear from my accent that I'm not from there originally. I'm actually a Northern Irish girl and I came to London via Scotland. So the accents are real Heinz 57 different varieties, but I'm in the USA now. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, hopefully not too jet lagged. And uh, I'm so (laughs) absolutely thrilled because um, I am a dedicated walker. So I was thrilled to talk with you today and and share your journey literally and physically um, that you've been on, Heather. I think um, walking is so important. And that's just a little bit of your your story. So we'll give our our listeners that teaser. But give, give a little bit of background about what you are doing now in terms of your work and why you are so passionate about what you're doing. What I do now is um, I give women space by taking them walking and we, I take them on transformational walking journeys uh, because you're literally physically walking the path which actually at the same time is having a huge impact on your internal journey as well. So you've got the physical journey and the internal journey. But just being out in nature is so amazing and and actually having that space. And I think for many, many women, that space is something that there's just not enough of in their lives. And they don't always realize that, interestingly enough. You know, we're very busy people, women. We're kind of, our DNA makes us busy. We're there for everybody else. But actually, when you get women to stop and take some time and space for themselves, and actually, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time. I mean, my journeys tend to be week long, but you know, I do a lot of work on just getting women at the beginning to get into the way of maybe even going for a 15, 20 minute walk and starting to create that space. And that has such an impact on their lives. And they realize how much is missing. So 
I am so, so blessed to be able to be out on the path walking. I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, I'm, I'm so fascinated, Heather, by, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the word space. And I had written that down. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, I think it's just an interesting phenomena, right, mm-hmm. of space, whether we're talking about space, mental space in our, in our heads, right, to get clarity or, or the physical space um, around us or the walking space. But can you just say a little bit more? I mean, I don't know. How do we define that? When you say you give women space, what what does that actually what does that actually mean? Define define that if you can. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> that's a really good one because you know you talk there about walking space, mental space, physical space, and I think they all actually come together. And I think space actually, if I were to think about a definition of it that would fit what I do, is I suppose it's it's an openness both physically. Um, not being crowded in, but also it's a kind of an openness, uh, a bit of a void, but not a negative void in your head um, to think about what you want to think about, what you choose to think about. Because if you think about it on a day-to-day basis, uh, and my life I would think is pretty typical, um, there's so much going on there's so many things to do. We, we as women have numerous to-do lists and a lot of things on our to-do lists are doing things for other people. And I feel that a lot of women just go from one thing to another. Right, I've done that. Now, now I get on to the next one. We don't, we don't have time to stop, which would be the space. And even congratulate ourselves for a moment on what we have achieved. And so many of the things that we look to achieving on a day-to-day basis, we probably don't even think of them as particularly valuable because they're just things that have to be done. So say preparing lunches for our kids going to school, it's just something that has to be done. We don't actually, I think, congratulate ourselves on having put together a lunchbox or... Uh, Something as simple as that. I think it's just one thing after another. So our heads are always full of all this stuff that has to be done. And just saying stop, stop that. Stop moving for a moment. Make a conscious decision to move from where you are to say to go outside, even just outside your front door and take some steps and walk for 10 minutes and clear your head, just decide you're not going to think about the next thing you have to do, but just be rather mindful, for instance. I mean, I I do a lot of mindful walking with women where for the next minute, let's just walk and notice what we see. Because when you're focused on on looking at what is around you, you don't think about the to-do list. And you can do the same with all your senses, Um, And I think for me, that's about providing women with space for them. So you're doing something for you. I don't know if that's answered your question. Or whether I've just gone off on a rant. (laughs) Yeah, no, and there's a lot. It is, um, it's an interesting, there's there's so much to it. And I I heard Mm. you say a couple of really important things. One is 
if we don't create space, if we're just always going, we're just checking off the list, in some ways, A, we may not even really be living. We're just doing and we're not even appreciating what we're doing because we're so focused on the next thing. I mean, just listening to you explain that, A, sounds exhausting and doesn't sound very fulfilling because then we're just sort of, we're just sort of doing and checking and, and looking ahead. And then the other piece it sounds like you're saying is that, you know, when you do create that space and like you said, on the walks or look around or focus on what you're seeing, um, we're, we're so much more engaged and we can be appreciating, be uh, being appreciating of the, of the moment of the being and actually have more fulfilled lives. So it sounds like there's the value there is, um, you know, to uh, a avoid burnout for one by creating this space and two having more fulfillment. Did, did I get that right? Uh, absolutely. And I think what you first said too about the living, you know, we're not really living. And I'd, I'd really like to stress that we think we're living, but actually, are we really? I mean, life for me, and I, you know, I've been through lots of things that brought me to the point I'm in now. And I think we possibly might talk about some of that. But, you know, now I'm living, then I wasn't, I was just going through this kind of process. And, you know, life is, well, they, they say often on people's deathbeds, they don't, um, well, in fact, I think research says usually on people's deathbeds, they don't say, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. They talk about how they wish they'd spent more time with friends and family. They wish they'd spent more time doing things that they wanted to do. And, you know, we've all got experiences of life being cut short with people that we know um, far too short. And and sometimes it happens to us where we're in a place where, you know, our own mortality um, comes up right in front of us. And and when when that time passes and you're still in this world, people live very different lives. And I really don't want people to have to get to that point before they appreciate that actually life is worth living every day. And yes, live each day as if it were your last. That's sometimes quite difficult to do in the melee of everything that needs done. But I would like to focus people back on that, that our lives are the lives we create. And yes, we have things to do, but let's just stop and think about how would we like to live our lives with the emphasis on living um, and at least carve out a little bit of time every day at the beginning to do what we are wanting to do, to just take that 10 or 15 minutes away to get ourselves some space and think about what we want to do, what makes us happy. And it is a practice. You know, what I hear you saying, I mean, it, it is a practice to take that time and slow down and, and and, and you can do it at any moment. Once you're aware of that, just it may be a long walk or a five minute walk or just a, hey, let me look out the window at that full moon for 30 seconds and, you know, create that create that space. But you're, you're so right, Heather, about the research, um, you know, at the end of life, people don't say, I wish I would have, uh, you know, pushed more into my life and worked harder or accumulated more things. I mean, there is that actual research about relationship and connection um, to people or experiences. 
And um, so I, I, I love I love what you're doing. And let's let's talk a little bit um, about your experience that brought you to this place. Uh, and you're so passionate. I can hear the passion <laughs> in your voice about this. That, you know how important it is that you want this for other people. Mm. But it, there there was some some things that led you to realize that you had to make a change in your own life and create space. Um, Tell, tell us a little bit about how you got to this place of realizing how important this was. What was happening for you physically, mentally, etc.? Okay. Um, it, it's interesting because uh, sort of thinking about that and listening to you ask the question, I suddenly remembered about something um, that had happened in life earlier that probably got me into walking personally in a bigger way. And it was, oh, I mean, it must have been about, my daughter was about three or four at the time and she's now coming up 21 so about 16 years ago and being on holidays and and actually hurting my back on the first day of holidays so you know lying down on a sun lounge you're turning around and feeling something go and um and kind of fight with the work I'd done on myself up to that point and the personal development, I find myself thinking, okay, what's going on here? What is the message here? And my husband just kept saying to me, you've just hurt your back. And I'm yeah, but what is this about? Anyway, it didn't get any better. And we had to call off our holiday, which was very disappointing. And I remember going back home and thinking, what is this message? And for me, it was the universe, God, Buddha, whoever you want to, whoever is your kind of bigger uh, power saying to me, you know, we've been trying to get you to take better care of you for a long time and, and you haven't been doing it. So this is why this has happened. And if you don't start to listen, this is this is me kind of rationalizing this myself. If you don't start to listen, then we'll have to get even kind of stronger in our message. And at that point, I started thinking, okay, it's the health thing. What do you need to do, Heather? And I got into walking, and that was kind of walking for myself. And very quickly, that made a difference. And that was just out walking, say, 30 minutes first thing in the morning. Now, let's fast forward, because this, that, that story I've just told you is actually a good message, and it will you'll realize why in a little while. Towards the end of 2013, uh, well, September 2013, I was working very hard. I knew my whole body was telling me that I was working too hard. I had this little kind of threatening sore throat at the back of my back of my throat, and I kept saying to myself, please don't develop, please don't develop, I've got to get this work done. And then when I go away, please don't develop, please don't develop. And I was working from 8 o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock at night for about eight, nine days, partly because I was working across time zones, but also because I was going away for nine days and I was going, going away to walk on the Camino. Now, and so I was thinking, right, I just need to get this work done. I know I'm working too hard, but then I'm going to have a break. Well, of course, if I'd been having a break lying by a swimming pool, kind of at a spa or something, I might have not... Um, got to the stage I did, but I was walking the Camino. Now, when I'm walking, as you've already said, it's my passion, and that was that was fantastic. And so every day I was enjoying it. But it got to the end of it, and I got home, and I was like exhausted, more exhausted than I normally am when I get back from a trip like that. And for the first three days after coming back, I was 
in tears. I couldn't be bothered to get dressed in the morning. I couldn't make decisions, even about things as simple as what do you want to eat? All I wanted to do was lie on the sofa. And that is not me. And I thought, what on earth is going on here? And I picked up, there's a wonderful book. It's one of my favorite of all time books. It's called Simple Abundance. And it's by a lady called Sarah Van Brievenach, which is probably not how you pronounce her name. So apologies. Um, And it has a reading for every day. And I opened it on the 1st of October, 2013. And it talked about burnout. And there was a checklist. And I read it going, oh, my God. And I suddenly knew that's where I was. Woo. And I took it down to my husband's office and I said, look at that. And he read it and he said, okay, now we know what's wrong. What are you going to do about it? Right. So, yeah, good question. What are you going to do about it? Exactly. So I decided to take some time out and um, I stopped doing what I was doing. I just took, and I was blessed to be able to do that. Took a couple of, of months out. I was doing a a talk at a conference in Vancouver in the December and I knew I'd be be okay by then. The problem with me is I'm a very energetic person. So after about, ooh, probably at the most a week of kind of taking time out, I really wanted to get back into things. But at least I knew enough, my body was indicating enough that I didn't jump back in. So I went to this conference, I did a speech, Um, everybody loved what I was talking about, I was talking about virtual book tours, and everybody was coming up, well, lots of people were coming up to me saying, would you do this for me, would you do this for me? And I had been in a time that I called my wilderness years, I felt lost, and so I thought, ah, this is what I'm meant to be doing. So (laughs) what I did... Let me latch onto this. (laughs) I jumped in. And for the first three months, three, four months, that was fine. And then what happened in the following summer was, I'm sorry, this is a bit of a long story, um, but I think it's relevant because we don't always get the message the first time. So the following summer, that was 2014, we were burgled. And one of the things that got stolen was my laptop. When I finally got a new laptop and we went to put all the backups on, the backups were all corrupt. And of course, this was like the end of the world. Now I look back and I think this was meant to happen. I mean, the universe was yelling at you. Yeah, absolutely, the universe was <laughs> yelling at you. You're talking about the, the first L, right? <laughs> the seven L framework is listening and what are we hearing? And absolutely. So that- I, was, I was totally ignoring the universe. So I just kind of, I, I, um, I went to, that's right, I, I kind of thought, okay. And I was really, that's right, that, that took me back into a bit of a downward spiral because suddenly it was all this virtual book tour stuff has gone. I haven't got any of the stuff I wrote. And I, I knew then I was sinking again. And what's really interesting is that within the space of about five days, good friends reached out to me. One was a coach, one was a counsellor. And the third one actually was somebody I didn't know, but I chose to go and see this woman who was a cranial sacral therapist. 
The first one who was a coach, I remember sitting with her in a really posh hotel in London and I was very well dressed and I had my makeup on. And the more I talked to her, because she'd said to me, just come and talk to me, Heather. You're not in a good place. Come and talk to me. The tears are rolling down my cheeks as I'm sitting in this atrium where people are having afternoon tea and I'm trying not to let these sort of mascara streaks <laughs> appear on my face. I'm trying to hold it all together, right? Absolutely. And she's saying to me, the universe, just what you said, Gwen, the universe is yelling at you to stop. And I'm going, I know, I know, but I can't. Now, how pathetic is that? But I can't. It's almost it sounds very- like an addiction. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost to go back to your thing about space. It almost, it's like, because if you didn't know what that next thing was, or you didn't have a next thing to go, like you couldn't the thought of just not doing seems like it was, would be terrifying. It's, you know, so we, it's like filling that space because if, what yeah. if, I, if I don't do this, then what, what's there? I mean, I can't just not have something in that space. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I think the other thing actually was for me at that moment, it was, I've got clients. I need to service my clients. I need to be there for my clients. Now, how many women will not let what they need come first because I need to look after my children. I have a deadline for something. I promised I'd be at such and such a place. I've got a friend who's ill. I said that this week I would do meals for her. You know, we're always thinking of everybody else. We're not realizing that actually if we were in our ultimate best place ourselves, we're then better equipped to serve other people. And also we're not um, we're not feeling that our own needs are not met. So I think at that time, I can't. I remember having two particular clients and this woman helped me coach, uh, coached me around how I would make it happen and still service these clients until the time ran out and then I would take the space for myself. Now, interestingly enough, a few days later, I realized that I couldn't serve these clients. I wasn't in a good place. And here's another important message. I had no choice but to go to these clients in all truth and honesty and say, listen, I am really sorry. This is where I am. This is what I need because I cannot serve you at the moment. And of course, those two clients, and this is so important when we realize that if we put out what's really happening, those two clients came back and said, Heather, totally understand. You have got to sort yourself out first. This is your health. Wow. So, you know, that people, people amaze us. We always think people are going to be disappointed. We always think we're going to let people down. But actually, when we when we give people the respect of giving them the truth and honesty of what is going on, they step up and they provide us with what we need. I love the way you framed that when we give them the respect, right? It's because in a way it, it, it is respect when you're coming with honesty about where, about where you really are. And, but that must've been so hard. And I imagine that though was a was a turning point because the world didn't crash down 
the the clients didn't say, "Oh, you're you're horrible, or you're a failure, or you're <laughs> we're never going to work with you again." I mean, it's kind of amazing, but it's it's a little scary testing out those waters of, "Oh my gosh, if I'm not perfect, if I don't deliver, if I don't over deliver, is everything? If I take a moment for me and put me first, is everything going to come crashing down?" I don't think Absolutely. often we give ourselves a chance to, to test that, you know? Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And we need to kind of need to get into that's where mindset is so important. We need to get into that the space. I keep using this word even when I'm I've sort of haven't really thought about the space that comes into so much. When we give ourselves that space to do that and to trust that I've always said that when you speak with integrity, when you speak with authenticity, when you speak from your heart, you cannot be wrong. Yes, people can disagree with you, but I think there's there's knowing that that truth serves you well. But it is taking a big step. And, you know, that lady, that woman was that friend, was the first of three. And I just want to go back to this for a second because there was she was the coach then there was a counselor and then there was a cranial sacral therapist. And the message that all three of them gave me within these five days was the connection between your head and your body is virtually non-existent. Now, I'm getting chills as I'm saying that yeah. because that was really scary because I am a very touchy, feely, loving, caring person. And to hear that I didn't have that connection or it was nearly severed was was kind of rocking my core. And that really made me step back. And it took, I would say that journey of connection is not completely finished yet. And that was in 2014. I still feel that sometimes that disconnect is there, but I have worked so hard on it now and you know it's only it's only a small percentage that's not complete but that really did make me sit up and think and i started then trying to bring that connection and and the counselor was would say to me for weeks and months later when i ask you a question it goes straight to the head you analyze you intellectualize but when i ask you where you're feeling it you're really lost you know you know, Heather, it, um, it's, this, is a, this is really emotional. When, as you're talking about that, you use the word severed, the relationship between your head, the mental, and the physical being severed. And I think that's an interesting choice of words. Um, it's almost like broken, broken, yeah. you know, broken that it was just uh, because, and that you're, as I listen to you, it's, it's like you, I picture this, you're becoming whole. You know, yeah. that that severed piece is being mended and you don't see a, you don't see a, you know, a distinction. Uh, it's just one, one whole. And what I find so fascinating uh, in the interviews that, that I do, so often we talk about, people talk about healing or their journey or getting the clarity, uh, the listening aspect, but it, but it, it comes or it begins with a physical healing. Um, a physical, whether we're talking about yoga or meditation or block therapy or you're walking, I, I think there's something so fascinating there that we think it's it's our just our brain, right? Like, the, <laughs> oh, if I just talk myself or work harder or 
I can, you know, just push through to this point. Um, but it, it's almost like we, we get to the mental through the physical that you had to, you, you healed the mental and brought it all together by bringing in that physical component and connecting those spaces, if we can use that word again, <laughs> right? And um, it's like that piece was being, the, the two weren't connected and we get in big trouble when those two aren't connected or we just think it's one over the other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We are holistic beings. We're not, and I think especially, with, of course men are holistic beings as well, don't get me wrong, but I think women especially, it's harder for women to compartmentalize, even though we we do so. But we're so a one. We're we're so one being, and so whatever we do in one area of our life impacts the other area of our life. So what when the physical and the mental are not running together, then we get that disconnect and things go wrong. So it's like when. When anything goes, my, my first point now of when anything goes wrong is or feels not right, maybe that's a better way of putting it, or even feels a little out of sync, my question to myself is, what are you not doing that you know kind of fuels you, replenishes you? And that can be as simple as I'm not drinking enough water or I've had a week where I haven't had enough sleep, or I haven't been outside, I haven't been moving my body. You know, maybe for some people that's dancing, for some people it's running. For many people, it can be as simple as walking. And it's put that right first. And when you put that right, then you get back into flow. Exactly. So talk about, you know, that whole listening. We're taking the, that listening to another level. And so what happened then? So you'd already kind of been doing some of this walking, but you pushed yourself, right? So here you are, I picture you in this, this <laughs> tea room. And so something said to you, I want to take this. And this, the second L in the framework are our passions and our values, right? So you were mm-hmm. in this sort of shift, right? You walking was become that had be, started to become a passion and it sounded like you were had to question your your values about how you were living and taking care of yourself, and you put those together and took this. I, I have a feeling you didn't go back to the um, the book piece, right? And you took this <laughs> quite right, yeah, right, okay. And you know the computer was stolen; that was a sign. Um, and so, what happened? What did what spoke to you that that said this is going to be? this is going to be my life's work. Something called to you to make this your, your business. What, and, and so, so what, what happened? Fill in the, the blanks there a little bit. <laughs> Fill in the blanks. Well, I think immediately after those realizations, I, I kind of stopped again. I mean, I, I am, I, I do appreciate that not every person listening to your podcast here and listening to me has the luxury of what I had the luxury to do of being able to stop. But I want to say that doesn't mean you can't put this right. Um, I had the luxury of being able to stop. I had a very supportive husband who said, if you need to take time out, take time out. 
Um, it meant things were very tight. So I don't, you know, I we we have been through some um, kind of very difficult times financially while I wasn't working while I was taking time out. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that I am I am a realist. I know that what I had is not something that everybody has. Yeah. But I think the immediate thing I did was start to think, okay, how how do I start to heal me, and how do I start to bring this connection back? Now, I had. Walking had been something that had been part of my life for quite a long time. And I remember vividly a beautiful walk taken as a teenager back in Northern Ireland uh, along the coast at a place called the Giant's Causeway and just being so bowled away by the coastal scenery and how it made me feel. And then at, at college, I'd had a really, really good friend who got me into walking. And I'd done a charity walk along the Great Wall of China when I'd been working for the Heart Foundation, which was one of my one of my previous jobs. Um, and walking, just being out there in nature was something that fueled me. So I started going back to that walking. But I also took part in a year-long uh, program that a mentor of mine was running. And there were four streams to it. One was fulfillment, one was wealth, one was vitality, and one was love. And the reason I did that was I had put my life on the table, so to speak. So if you imagine laying out a map on the table when you're trying to plan a, a journey, I put my life on the table because I felt I needed to look at all aspects of my life and decide, find out where the stress was coming from. Because this what was really fueling what, what led to this burnout. There was a lot of stress. I and mean, it had been going on for years. I mean, I can now say that I can look back about 10 years from this burnout and I can see where I was pushing, pushing, pushing and not listening. So I wasn't stressed at that point, but it was a pattern I got into. And part of it for women is following this kind of masculine role in life, masculine role in the workplace. That was the role we took on board when many of us went into corporate life because there was no other. I don't blame the masculine um role model for being there but it's only now I feel that we're starting to realize that we need a more feminine role model too and that that we need the masculine and, and feminine exactly. anyway I digress a little. I love that though you're right you're right you're right <laughs> absolutely yeah so um I I I started doing this program and I started looking at all the things and as part of this program there was a kind of a, a VIP day for six of us and the woman who was running the program had known me for quite a few years. And one of the things we had to do was we had to imagine a visualization of being in a forest, which is very appropriate for me, and a wild animal coming towards us. And what happened with this encounter with this wild animal? And of course, after the visualization, we shared what happened and what we took from it. Well, my wild animal was a deer. And I'd been able to hug this deer, put my arm around its neck and, and um, stroke its muzzle. And I, my interpretation of that afterwards was in real life, Heather, you could never do that. But in real life, therefore, we put up barriers. So what if I was to imagine that anything was possible? Then, in fact, I could do and I could make happen what I really wanted to happen. And for years, I'd wanted to take groups of women away walking and as I walked the Camino and I started walking the Camino in France and Spain in 2008 
that became stronger and stronger. Mm. When everyone, we went round the table and everyone commented, and I'd been talking about choosing between the book tours, so they were still in my mind at this time, oh, and nice. about making them happen to bring the money in so organically the walking idea could could take place. Everybody fed back to me that both businesses were a great idea, but my passion was yes. with the walking. Yes. And the lady who was running it said to me, Heather, all the time I've known you, all you've ever wanted to do is take women out walking. She said, will you please stop trying to do everything else and do the walking? And Whoa. that was the permission <laughs> I needed. But the final sign was, well, I shouldn't say final sign. The signs continue to come. But I drove home that night. And there is a way that I can go home that takes me through a forest. And it's always my pre preferred route. And as I drove up the road at dusk, there were three deer crossing the road. Not just one, but three and I'm, I'm getting chills. I have, and the no, I, have, I have goosebumps on my arm right now, Heather. I have goosebumps Absolutely. on my arm. This, and I just thought, well, if I ever needed a sign, that was the sign. Oh. So I started then. Did you touch to, one, of a, one of their muzzles? <laughs> no, no, not able to do that. But it was just, I cannot believe this. That so is that was wild. my big, the permission from Joe to say, for goodness sake, go and do this. And these three deer. And if I'm ever doubting, that's where I go back to. I was going to say, you just, I mean, it's so, I have such a visceral, talk about that connection. I have such a visceral response right now of, oh my God, yes. I mean, it's just, that, that was meant to be. And, but you know, it's interesting to dig a little bit deeper, you know, on that, Heather. So when you think about, um, the, the third L, right. Which are the mm -hmm. layers. Um, I'm curious. So, so, you know, you have that experience and you're in the moment. And I think that happens to a lot of us of that sounds fantastic. And then you see the deer, did you have, and, and maybe at this point you were just trusting because you'd been through so much. Um, but a lot of times, you know, the layers that, that I talk about, you know, can be those internal messages or maybe another group of friends or family that says, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make money at walking women? And they can just go walk on their own. Why do they yeah. need you to take them and pay you? Or how are you going to make money at that? I mean, were, did you, can you talk a little bit about any layers or did you just have clarity at that point that you were going to make it happen? Um, I think, right, a couple of things here. I can talk a bit more about it. One is that gave me the permission to do it. Um, which I didn't think I needed. I didn't realize I needed that permission, but it did. Then I, I had an idea of how I wanted it to be, but that was a kind of big picture idea of how I wanted it to be. So I had this vision of me walking, laughing with women um, out on the Camino, but I needed to take myself walking to get more clarity about it. And I was, I was also, I, I had a walking group um, and I would walk with that group once a month. And I also 
had been running some local walking groups. And the whole thing you were saying there about, you know, women can walk on their own. So why do they need you? What I was finding with the local walking groups was that a lot of women needed the framework. Um, it's Yeah, it's very easy to say, I'll go for a 20-minute walk, I'll go for an hour's walk uh, on a regular basis, but then never finding the time to do it. Whereas when you commit to turning up at some point, then you're more likely to do it. And what I did was I had these Friday morning walks, or well, it wasn't always a Friday morning, but they were in different localities. And and I would say to women, okay, all you have to do is you just have to turn up. You don't have to worry about the route. I'll sort that out. You don't need to have to worry about the timing. I will sort that out. Come walking with me. I will bring you back to this point in an hour's time, and then you can get on with the rest of your day. So I made it really simple for them, and I put a framework in and then they would walk. And of course, they would walk and they would talk. And the wonderful thing about women walking and talking, and it doesn't matter whether it's a it's an hour's walk in your locality or a, a week's walk out on the Camino, women walk and talk and they have fun conversations that are superficial and silly. And they also have some of the most deep, um, life-changing conversations often by talking to a stranger, somebody they don't know very well because they feel that it doesn't matter, they can they can talk. Now, I was I was experiencing the both types of, of um, conversations going on. And uh, funny enough, some of the women at a different point, I remember two individuals giving up and saying, oh, you know, I just, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't have time, but you know, I, I'll do it myself. Did they do it themselves? No. Probably not, right? Well, they got in touch with me and they said, you know, we never go walking now. Yeah. It, because, it's we, just, yeah, just we haven't got that that framework. Yeah, and to have that support. And, and Heather, you have taken this to a whole nother level. I mean, you mentioned the local, but you, this is an international uh, phenomena that you have <laughs> taken this whole thing. Talk about, you know, going back to that deer and saying to yourself, what if I take away the block and just imagine that anything is possible? So, I mean, just, you know, for the listeners to hear, I mean, you are walking all over the world with, with women and different lengths and times. I mean, from the Spain and, and tell people what the Camino is. I mean, France and Spain. I mean, this is an, an international um, business that you have going. And some people may not know what the Camino is. I know that's one of your, your yes. most popular walking tours, but, but describe what that is and where you take them and what that involves. Okay. The Camino is an ancient pilgrim route um, that's been walked for hundreds of thousands of years. I think it started in, in something, oh, I mean, I can't actually remember. Uh, it just has been around for so long. And people walked it um, for penance often. You know, they would um, sometimes 
criminals were sent to to do the Camino because they committed a crime. People walked it for religious reasons. If you can imagine back to medieval times, um, not that we can experience medieval times ourselves, of course, but by watching films and on our history, people walked it barefoot. People walked it carrying crosses. People walked it on their knee or walked it on their knees, if you know what I mean. Um, they walked it with passion, with a a, a real um, wish to get to the end, which is Santiago de Compostela in the on the west of Spain. Now the Camino uh, then kind of fell out of favor for a number of years, and it was in the eighties it started to come back into people's psyche, really. And now hundreds, thousands of people walk it every year. And for those of you who may not have heard about it, get hold of a film called The Way. It's got Martin Sheen in it, and it's it's a great film, and it's about his path on the Camino. And he has a personal link to the Camino because his father is from Galicia in Spain, and he and his son Emilio Estevez walked a part of the Camino, and that's what inspired Emilio to write the screenplay of the, of the, the screen thing for the film. So get hold of that, and that will give you an idea. Now, the majority of people who walk the Camino walk it from the French-Spanish border. They start in a place in Spain called uh, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port and they walk over the Pyrenees. That's your first day, which is rather wow. challenging I've, for I've anyone. I've driven the Pyrenees. That is, you know, that's, it's impressive. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a long walk. Um, now, you can also start it in three places in France. And of course, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it slightly differently. So the person that I walked with, my walking buddy, and I decided to start it in in the center of France and our lifestyle at the time didn't allow us to do it in one go a lot of people walk the Camino from the French Spanish border in about six weeks walking every day taking a few rest days and they carry all their stuff and they stay in hostels and sometimes the hostels are big dormitories and I chose when I started to do it in a slightly different way. And so I would walk a section which was normally on average about a week. And then the next year or maybe if I'd done a spring bit, then in the autumn or the fall, I'd go back and do another bit. And I'd start where I left off and I'd do the next section. But also because I was no longer in my 20s or even 30s, I decided that I was um, I didn't want to do it in kind of too much of a of a rough state. I didn't want to walk into town and realize I couldn't get a bed for the night right. and have to walk another <laughs> another five miles or whatever. So um, I chose to do it where I um, have my main bag carried on uh, by a small company arranges that for me. And I stay in little hotels where at the end of the day, uh, I know there is a hot bath or shower. There is a lovely meal for me and there is a comfortable bed for me to sleep in. And the next morning I have my breakfast before I set out on the trail. And don't forget the nice cold beer or a glass of wine, ah, right? Of course, yes. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing that happens when you get to your destination. You sit in the sunshine and you enjoy a beer or a glass of wine and you celebrate what you have achieved. And now so, you're doing this and this is, uh, you know, you organize this for women and I, you know, you make it easy again, that I'm whole, easy. just like you started in the local walks, taking the, the organizing and the thinking out of it. I mean, basically they show up, their bags are moved from place to place. They don't have to worry about where they're staying. You get, you provide a framework 
and uh, you know, hence and, and let the transformation begin. Exactly. And I give them guidance. I mean, there are an awful lot of, of North American women who want to do the Camino. Um, they, a lot of them have seen the film The Way and that's changed, you know, that's let them see about this amazing path. But a lot of them don't know if they can do it. They, they feel they'd like to do it, but they don't know if they w- would be able to or whether when they got out on the path, would they actually enjoy this or not? So my way of, of marketing it, I suppose, is saying to women, you know, if you think you'd like to do this, why not come on a section with me, see what it's like, experience it, because it is an experience. It's an experience of the path, the food we eat on the path, the people we meet, the scenery, the history. It's a complete experience. And I will give people guidance as to what you know their travel i will also give them guidance about how to get fit i tend to book people up 6 12 even sometimes 18 months in advance so they can spread the cost but also so that we can help them get fit so that when they go out there okay it's a bit of a challenge but that's what the camino is about it's about stepping out of your comfort zone it's about being pushed a little bit stretched a little bit to go a little bit further than you might normally go but we do that in a loving guiding way it's a bit like if you imagine having somebody walking by your side with their hand on your back so you can't go back and they're gradually moving you forward in a very caring and loving way that's what I do for my women. I absolutely love it. And I know that there are other components, you know, the, the, the mental piece. I mean, talking about connecting, you connect the, the mental with the physical and there's, there, there can be a, a coaching aspect. But Heather, let me ask you this. So, you know, I, I have this image in my mind of, you know, you on this trail, on this, on this mountain and and kind of looking back, right, at where you started. And thank goodness that you paid attention. You know, we go back to that first L of listening, um, that you, you got it and you, you, you changed. I mean, you, you altered your, literally your path in life. Um, mm-hmm. And like when you look back at where you were, um, just in the tea room, just not able literally to, to move, to where you are today, you know, we talk about the landed. I mean, how does that make you feel? Like for me, it's like, oh my God, thank God. I, I'm just thinking, but how does that make you feel when you look back at where you started and, and where you are now? I feel very proud of me. And I feel it's it's all about that. I, I, I decided I could do this. I took the decision and I made it happen. And actually, if I can make it happen, other people can make it happen. But also, it's the step by step. We we can't make changes. We can't suddenly get from where we are to where we want to be in one step. I mean, maybe occasionally. But it's a realization that it takes it takes time. It's it's step by step. You know, it's how do you eat an elephant? You know, you break it down into chunks. That is so real. And that's true for everyone. So, you know, I know now that A, I had to listen to my body and B, then I had to take 
those steps bit by bit. And the other thing for my for my women who come with me is they're all individuals. They need, and, and so I, as a leader and, and my co-leader, um, we have to be very aware of those individuals and we have to listen and be in the moment and pick up on what they're saying and know what's right for them. I was, I led a, uh, a very small group actually of two North American women recently and one really likes to walk on her own. So I was very aware of wanting to give her the space to walk on her own. And she was often behind, um, you know, at the back of the, this threesome. And sometimes all three of us were walking separately because that's what felt right. Now, other times um, you're picking up on other things about individuals. So you need not, there's no one size fits all. Some people are not good, at, for instance, at telling you how they feel. So if you say at the beginning of the day, is everyone okay today? Has anybody got any aches or pains? There will be some people who will say, I'm fine. And then you'll look at them later and you'll think, you're not fine. There's something there. Yeah. So I would then go back and have a chat, you know, start talking to that person and say, okay, I get the feeling something's going on today. You know, is there something I need to know? Is there something you want to talk to me about? And then you might find out that all it is is they've got a blister on their heel and it's kind of, it's really sore, you know, in which case. Yeah, and you're you're having this learned and this journey of becoming more connected with yourself. I bet you are even much more attuned to <laughs> other people and seeing, uh, seeing a disconnect. You, maybe they're saying one thing, but you know, you're reading a, a different thing. So not only is it um, that you're paying attention and you get that more for you, but you, you get that more for them. Um, but you, and you said something that I just a second ago that I want, I want to pick up on, a little bit more. You said that, you know, this change doesn't happen in one leap, so to speak, or one step, right? Yeah. So what, say, just say what your message is there, Heather. It sounds like, I think there's something deeper there. What, what, what is your piece of advice around that? That, cause this literally was a journey for you, but mm-hmm. what do you, what do you want people to take away from what you just said there? One of the things that happens when you're out walking on the Camino um, is that I I believe the Camino kind of calls you and I believe the Camino gives you what you need if you allow it to. So we talk a lot about being open um, and just just being aware, which is why we do the mindful walking. And we also use cards as well. Like they're not goddess cards or, or angel cards, but if anybody's familiar with using cards, they're, they're plant cards and the plants give you a message. So we pick cards and we, we, we kind of just let those cards, um, the meaning of those cards percolate down as we're walking. And, and you have some amazing shifts when that happens. But it's acknowledging that what will happen for a lot of the women will be that they will get insights, questions will come up, anxieties will come up as well. And that's all very normal. And so when we're having that beer and that wine at the end of the day, um, if we haven't talked about it earlier, we will bring together, you know, what happened today? Now, for a lot of people, thoughts will come up, ideas will come up. If they've been thinking about maybe 
starting a business, for instance, that's probably coming up. But they'll probably be doubting themselves. They'll, you know, that again, that's normal. Yeah, I have this great idea for a business, but I'll never be able to do that. So it, it's letting people know that you can do this. You can make this happen. It's not going to happen in a leap. This is the start of this particular part of your journey. So let's talk about what elements are or might there be in that. And this this is the same exercise you they can take home and they can do with them over and over again until they get deep down. It's about realizing that there are steps. And just by just like on the on the uh, Camino journey, when we start out, I took a little video of the two ladies on the last section. And one of them, when I asked them how they were feeling at the very beginning of the first day, one of them said terrified. She said, we're going up and it's steep and I don't know if I can do it. And we got up steep bit onto a slightly lesser incline. And I looked at her and I said, so she said, I did that. I can do this. And it's just this, it's guiding, realizing step by step. And it's a bit like having a checklist. You know, you take the first step and you can tick it off and that motivates you to the next step and the next step. Whereas if you only look at that big picture, it's scary. Right. So I think I have to climb. You know, it's so interesting, Heather, as you're describing this. And maybe... um, Maybe I'm slow and you've been, you've been, you've been there this whole time, but I just had this total epiphany about the, uh, the Camino and the, 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 the walking, this journey is truly a metaphor for life, right? Yes. And so what you're saying, um, you said something interesting about the, it, the path calls you is what you said. I believe that the yeah. Camino calls people and you don't have to do it all in one step. And again, going back to the beginning of the conversation, create that space. We don't have to be on autopilot and be rushing, rushing, rushing to tick everything off our list. So if the Camino is the metaphor for life, what I hear you saying to kind of perhaps tie all of this together mm-hmm. is that life calls you. If we create space, we don't have to push, push, push and try to tackle the next thing, like for, which for you was, was the books, you know, um, and maybe that would have called us. But once you created that space, life calls you to the right path and you can, you can trust that you can create space. That's not all going to come crashing down. And so truly that, that Camino and those steps and the process, um, for the Camino, really that, that, that is sort of the, um, the, the answer, the recipe for finding our way in our lives. Yeah, yeah. And for me, if I can just get the ladies who come with me to realize that they can create the life they want, I think that's the first step. This kind of, I can, I can do that. I have, A, I have permission to do this. I have this dream, this, this vision that I want to create. I can create it. I can't necessarily do it overnight, but I can make it happen. And all I need to do is make that commitment and take the first step. And I always do a follow-up call with women afterwards. It's all part of the package 
to, to pull together what's come up and find out whether they now have a bit of a plan. And if they want to take up some coaching afterwards, because often with what comes up, you then think, right, I now want to continue this. I now want to, to keep going. But going back to those two ladies who came recently, the, the big thing that both of them said was having the space to walk and reflect was the biggest gift that the Kimino gave them. Giving them the space, just yeah. the space. space. And I think, you know, so often um, in these interviews, there's, if we can distill the message down to a word. And I think for this, <laughs> if there's a word, I think it's, it is, it's all about space, you mm-hmm. know, and, Heather, this has been uh, an amazing journey with you on this conversation today. I, you know, you sort of never know exactly where it's going to go. Um, and I, I wanted to kind of create space <laughs> for us to see where <laughs> to see where it would lead us. And um, I think it's, it's led us to this, this wonderful, wonderful place. But I have a feeling that uh, people listening may want to learn more about your journey, about your work, uh, maybe even be inspired to uh, walk the Camino with you. And so I, I know there's a, a couple of walks. So I, I'd like to, you know, if you can share where people can go to learn more about you. And um, I believe you do have some walks coming up. So maybe you can you can share that with the audience. Yes, if people want to know more, please go visit the website, which is www womenwalkingwomentalking.com and uh, that once you get there you can explore there and there's a couple of of things that you can just freely join one of which is seven days of mindful walking which is very easy to fit into your life and the other is the is the walking challenge so please you know do go visit and join those and you can do those forever in the world you are The walks we've got coming up, I tend to walk the same section of the Camino twice in a year, just because I find with school, um, for some women, the springtime is not a good time because their kids are coming up to exams, whereas the autumn they've started, or the fall as you call it over here, they've started a new school term, and so it's easier for mums sometimes to get away, or grandparents, grandmums to get away. But um, so this year, or sorry, 2018, we're walking a section of the Spanish Camino from a place called Logroña in Spain to a place called Burgos in Spain. And we finish at one of the most amazing cathedrals I've ever seen in my life. And we will make time and space to visit that Camino or that cathedral. And we, we walk through the vineyards of Rioja, So any of you are into your wine, you might enjoy that. You get a chance, of course, over dinner to taste some wine. And um, we we hopefully will be there as the vines are heavy with grapes and harvesting might begin. So that's if you walk in the autumn. If you walk in the springtime on that same route, you'll see the growth starting to happen. You'll see many more wildflowers. But no matter what time of the year, the section is beautiful and you will experience lots of things. And I've already started um, booking up for 2019 when we will return to France, which I have to admit is my favorite bit 
and we'll do a beautiful section in France, um, which is just absolutely amazing. So if anyone's interested, go visit the website. And it, I, you can also follow me on Facebook. I'm Heather Waring on Facebook. And please, you know, just if you've got questions, I love questions. Just send me questions. I'll answer your questions. Heather, thank you so much. And not to be corny, but I... Thank you for sharing this space with me today <laughs> on this interview. It's been it's been such a pleasure and I am so inspired. I think I'm going to go take a walk after our <laughs> interview and I hope other people do the same. But I, I'm so glad that you listened to the universe. I mean, you've truly um, given a gift to yourself and a gift to other women um, around you. And that's such a, a special contribution to the world. I, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Gwen, for inviting me. I've, I've so enjoyed sharing my story and, 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 and realizing actually in so many ways how kind of raw sometimes it still is. You know, I had tears in my eyes talking to you this morning, but it's, it's such a, a gift to be able to have the opportunity to share that. So thank you. Well, everybody, thank you again for joining me on another episode of Life on Your Terms. Please visit the website at L-O-Y-T Inner Compass and share your comments, questions, or suggestions for future topics. And until next time, I hope you are inspired and have the courage to live life on your terms.